Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie, and this is Before the Box Score. We've got this week, we got the next week, and then the week after that is game week, believe it or not. Uh, so for all intents and purposes, this is the last fall camp week of camp that the Missouri Tigers are going to have. Starting next week, it's going to be game prep for Louisiana Tech and possibly some other opponents in the future. So if you are a player listen, listening to this, number one, go read your playbook again. What are you doing listening to this show? Number two, get your stuff together because it's coming down the wire and positions are going to be filled. Uh, depth charts are going to be set. And we got to start getting ready for those nasty bulldogs from Rustin. BK, how you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. It's good to be here with you, Nate. And there's not a ton coming out of camp, but there are at least a couple of questions that I think are worth exploring. So we'll get into that later on this afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to this. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, middle of the night, two in the morning. That's right. Taking care of the little baby who's not sleeping. I feel that. I respect that. Uh, let's start with, again, we love good news right here around Rock M Nation, especially this podcast. We're nothing but good news here. So let's talk about recruiting. Missouri got the commitment of one of the better names in Missouri football history, Brayshawn Littlejohn. Now, when he initially committed, by the way, this is the one, this is the tweet that Eli Drinkwood sent out with the bat signal that he deleted it and then said a future commitment. So this is who he was talking about. When Mr. Littlejohn committed, uh, people kind of took a look at him. He was a three-star linebacker out of Gaffney, South Carolina, Gaffney High School. He's 6'2", 222, 5.53 star, which has kind of been the theme of this recruiting class so far, kind of middling three-star kids. So I think a lot of people kind of met it with, oh, okay, cool. But that's that's not just what it is. Not only does he give us a possible five years of using fantastic Little John memes like, yeah, and okay, after every good play that he makes, but BK, he's got some killer film. Tell us about Mr. Little John. Okay, so let's start here. Um, I, like many Mizzou fans, saw this commitment and was like, ah, okay, sure. And I'm going to be totally honest with you, upfront and honest. The linebacker commits in general over the last couple of years. It's kind of been my initial reaction. Ah, okay, I, I guess I can see it. But none of them really were at the point where I was like, oh, yeah, this, this is going to be fun when they get to Mizzou. Damian Wilson, okay, yeah. Zachary Lovett. Yeah. Okay. Glass had some intrigue to him. Simmons is just crazy fast. And I have no idea if he knows how to play linebacker or if he will ever be able to play linebacker at the next level. But man, is that guy athletic. So I could see the the, the real appeal there, even though there's, there's not a ton else there, but th he's fast. <laughs> that boy fast. Little John is really interesting after going through some of his film. So the first thing that stood out is I, I'll take you behind the glass a little bit in terms of what I try to do when I go into like the recruiting resets that I write for for this for the site. First thing I try to do is find any local media on the player. So that could be an interview that they've done. That could be a piece from a local newspaper, etc. And on Little John, there was a little bit about him, but not a ton that had been reported. But there were a couple of pieces, especially over the course of the last six months or so, kind of as his recruiting started to get more significant. Now, background on who he plays for. He played on a 5A team last year in Carolina that went undefeated. 
And he was one of their best players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Had about 90 tackles, 20 tackles for loss, and six sacks. So he was a really important piece to what they were doing defensively. And the position that he plays is really unique. It's almost like if you remember, I, for, I forget the gentleman's first name, but Simmons from uh, Clemson a few years back, Kansas City area kid that played like that overhang, right? He's like 6'3", 220 pounds, not really a linebacker, not really a safety, not really a corner, but kind of a combination of all of the above. Similar to what you'll probably see Martez Manuel doing this year. That's basically what Little John was in college. Or excuse me, in high school. And then he ran a 4-5-5 at one of the camps. And then colleges started calling because they were like, whoa, okay, this dude's 6'2", he's 220 pounds, and he runs a 4-4-5. Okay, yeah, we can work with that. Man, I went back and watched the film, and it's stuff from in-season. He put out his um, spring practice film as well. It is super impressive. I mean, if you want to see a guy go into man coverage on a wide receiver, he does that. If you want to see a guy go into zone coverage, drop to a spot, he does that. If you want to see a guy um, rushing the passer, like legitimately bending the edge, he does that better than basically any current Mizzou defensive end that I've seen in high school or what they've done at college. He He's done everything. And so that's what makes him so intriguing to me. I have no idea what position he's going to play in college. They're saying that he's going to play the mic. I don't know if that's going to be his best spot, but whatever it is, it's going to be really interesting because of his speed, because of his strength, because of his size. And you just think about, okay, if he's 220 pounds as a going into his high school senior season, what is this guy going to look like when he's a junior or a senior in college? He could be 250 pounds and it shouldn't shock anybody. And if you're that and you can run, maybe at that point, he's not a four, five, five. He's a four, six, four, seven. Who buddy, that is a super intriguing talent. And you just figure out where to put him on your defense and let's go to work. So I'm, very intrigued by him and he was a heck of a lot of fun this is i mentioned previously uh manning was the one that made or that, that was the most interesting to me the wide receiver at elite summit brayshawn little john's in that conversation for me on most intriguing mm -hmm. prospects to watch so far in this class it's been interesting to see eli drinkwitz and this staff kind of Plumb the the Carolina pipeline, both north yeah. and south. Um, you know, Odom got got Trajan Jeffcoat out of uh, South Carolina before, and I think that might be the only it's the only South one Carolina. in the rivals era that Mizzou assigned. There you go, out of so South Carolina, the only one. They've gone to North Carolina a couple times, including uh, last year uh, linebacker Xavier Simmons, who was a five point seven three star out of Greensboro, Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, and but then Wilson know, before that. They've, they've been Wilson, primarily yeah. in the Southeast. They got Wilson out of North Carolina, Lovett out of Florida, mm -hmm. Glass out of Louisiana, and then Simmons out of North Carolina. And that's been their linebacker class the last couple of years. So you can see there's a clear mm -hmm. emphasis on that area when it comes to what their linebacker recruiting is, which makes sense given where their linebacker coach previously was. And also where Drinkwitz was. He spent yeah. three years yeah. at North Carolina State. So he he went up against these, these kids uh, from that area. Um. You know, you mentioned his size, 6'2", 222. Xavier Simmons, uh, from last year's class, who's currently on the roster, he was listed at 6'3", 215 when he committed to Mizzou. When he got on campus, he was 6'2", uh, 248. And then he cut it down to 6'2", 241 for fall. So, like, 
some of these guys can really pack it on, <laughs> even just with like one off-season workout regimen mm-hmm. because Simmons was on on campus for spring. So yeah, it, it's it kind of depends on the guy. Obviously, everybody's a little bit different, but you can see pretty massive transformations. Simmons is another guy who ran really, really fast. Maybe not a four or five, but like he was quick, and then he's also huge. If this is the type of guy that they want, fast big guys <laughs> for linebacker, buddy, sign me up. That that's fantastic. I don't know, like you said, you know, watching his tape, I was so impressed with his pass rushing ability. It's like, do I want him to play kind of the star role where you, you know, some delayed blitzes? Do I want him as more of a outside linebacker, edge rusher kind of guy? I mean, yes to both. I, I don't I don't know where his he would be best utilized either. But when you have Blake Baker, the switch from uh his four two five, his version of a four two five. Uh, from Steve Wilkes' version was that Wilkes had three corners and two safeties as his five, and Baker has two safeties, two corners, and then the star, our specialty position, uh, for his five defensive backs. So, I mean, whether he's outside, whether he's the mic, whether he's the star, like, I, I don't know where this kid is, but... When you when you texted me, I've never seen you so excited to watch tape, and I I I, I had to go on and look the second you you let me know, and yeah, it's awesome. I I even against top competition in the state, like he's doing some nasty things. So this is this is super cool. Again, I don't know how it translates, but there's worse things in the world than having big, fast, athletic dudes as your linebacker, and and Missouri's got a couple on the roster, including this guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you can kind of see a theme here of what they're looking for at the linebacker position. Like, I I think they do want a lot of speed. I mean, you look at what they have in Tyron Hopper. One of the things that excites me most about him is he just has sideline to sideline speed that they haven't had at that position in a really long time, like since Therese Hall, probably. And you look at what they're trying to do now with last year's Simmons. You mentioned he's very athletic. And what they're now looking for in Little John they're looking for a guy that can play sideline to sideline. And I think they realized last year, oh, we have a lack of speed at that position. We need to improve there because you look at the guys, the the teams, the players that they're going up against in this conference. Boy, if you don't have at least a couple of linebackers that can move with these running backs, with these guys that they're playing now at tight end. I mean, look at what Georgia has at tight end. It's, It's ridiculous. You're you're screwed. You just can't match up that way. So I like the idea of just, okay, let's get this guy in the room and we'll figure out what to do with him. Our job as coaches is to take guys like this that run four fives that are fast, that are athletic, that are strong, big, can do everything. And we'll find the best spot for him. Right. That's what they did with Jamarian Wayne. I don't know if people have seen this yet, but um, according to reports, he moved over to safety. And then this week they said, like, hey, He's good enough that he's going to he's going to factor into the defense for us. He's probably going to get onto the two deep. And this is what I think we talked about it last week a little bit, Nate. But we said you're not making that move unless you think that he can make your two deep or at least get into the depth chart high enough that eventually he will get opportunities on the defensive side of the ball that he would not get if he stuck at wide receiver this year. And that's what's happening. And I think you'll see something similar, not like a move to offense, but just in terms of where he fits best with a guy like Little John. So I, I loved the signing and I, I was very surprised by how much I liked the signing. I thought I was going to be underwhelmed and I was going to write a piece about how, uh, yeah, here's a linebacker. He's under the radar. <laughs> it pretty much fits into everything that they've done at the position over the last three to four years. And 
here's to hoping that it works or they get a transfer that can fill the gap that they're going to need to probably fill after Hopper leaves. Like that that is not what I ended up watching though. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that little John is this guy, but Nicobe Dean for Georgia. Oh yeah. Like, his skill, his his best skill was how Man, fast that's a, he That's could a really move. interesting comp. Yeah. Like they could I mean, he's got to be really good things. at football to, well, <laughs> to I mean, make that worthwhile. That too. That's but it, it fits in terms of the, the playing style. That's a really interesting comparison. Did that defense could get really freaky and he was there to clean it up because they knew he could get back into position and catch up. So I mean, if that's just how the SEC linebackers work, like good. We've got a few. <laughs> We're working on it. So uh yeah. Team uh, speed kills in the SEC, and then th- that's what we're looking for for the linebackers. So, welcome, Brayshawn. I hope you stick around. Hope you make it to December and sign and make it onto campus because we are intrigued. By the way, um, one one yeah. quick like to that point, Nate. That's yes. what I'm really interested in. He had two fa- Power Five offers. It was Mizzou mm-hmm. and Colorado, and I watched his live ceremony. I think it was in his front yard with all of his family. There, <laughs> it was really cool. It's it just so unique. Um, I thought it was interesting. Everybody in the audience was basically saying like, no, don't you dare go to Colorado. Like that's too far. Right. (laughs) I am very curious to see what happens if his recruitment blows up a little bit this fall, because Mm -hmm. a kid like this doesn't stay this under the radar when he's committed to a power five school, specifically in the sec. If he has another big season this year Mm -hmm. and he runs a four five, five and he plays for a very good team that last year won the state title. So that's, that is going to be the next battle is just making sure that they hold on to him for the next three months. True that. So let's look to the current roster. Uh, we're running out of guys who don't have numbers, but there are still a few out there who didn't. And uh, in the past couple practices, we did have some guys. I get earned their number. Uh, first, we got Isaac Thompson, the four-star safety out of SLU High School in St. Louis. He is uh, number 43. Blech. Uh, he's not going to stay at 43. Not as, not if he's as good as safety as people are saying. Um, by the way, I, I read, uh, oh God, I always get these mixed up. I need to start writing this down. I read somewhere that, uh, Blake Baker thought Isaac Thompson was one of the smartest safeties in the room, like just for oh, picking wow. up the game. Yeah. Um, and again, he is 18 years old. So while he might still be recovering from that uh, knee injury that he, that he got back in his senior year of high school, uh, certainly he seems to have the chops to understand playbooks and, and, and plays and, and all the coverages and stuff like that. So that's cool. Uh, the only other numbers that were, uh, awarded went to, uh, a bunch of walk-ons. Uh, we had Boynton Cheney, who's also going to be number 43, uh, offensive lineman, Jack McGarry, who's going to be, uh, Justin Britt's number 68. And then Nick Quadrini, uh, who'll be number 96. He is a kicker. So, yes, we are in the portion of the season where walk-ons are earning numbers, and we still have one, two, three, four, five scholarship players who have not earned their number. That, those are DJ Weselak, Valen Erickson, Mikai Lee, Demarion Houston, and Curtis Piegler. Now, Weselak has been sick. He has been out of practice for like the past week with some unspecified illness. Okay. But you got two freshman offensive linemen in Erickson and Piegler. You have a JUCO offensive lineman in Makai Lee, who we all thought was going to be coming in to step in for Hyron White. And then you have JUCO receiver Demarion Houston. And those gentlemen have not earned their numbers. So, BK, what do you make of this? So the two that concern me are Houston and Makai Lee. You bring in junior college players for a reason, and it's not to have them sit and be some of the last ones along with walk-ons to get their their numbers. 
Uh, offensive line, a little different. They've got like 75. Don't check the math on this, but I think 75 scholarship offensive linemen on the roster. So whatever. It's no big deal. Wesselak, that's explainable. Even an excuse, explanation, whatever you want to call it. He hasn't been there. So no, no, no harm, no foul. Lee and Houston. Man, those guys are supposed to be players that are going to see the field for you this year. And if they don't even have a number and you mentioned it, we've got like three days left until it's like quote unquote game week in terms of the preparation. That's not a good sign for what this season is going to be like for them. And that's those are the two that I would say are at this point officially a little concerning for me. I kind of get Houston because that wide receiving core is super athletic with guys who can do a lot of different things. Houston was brought in clearly to be one thing. But they knew that, right? That that's what's concerning to me is like, if they knew that he was brought in to do this thing, if he does that thing, well, wouldn't you think that would be enough to earn you a number? And that would suggest to me, he's not doing that thing very well. And (laughs) if you only had the one thing that you could do and you're not doing it, then what are you doing? I mean, I don't know the criteria that goes into uh, awarding a number, but yes, it's it's a fair point where we have set the bar at you doing your skill well and you're not doing your skill well, so therefore you don't get the number. And by the way, Nate, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Keep going. The thing that he's supposed to do well is the easiest of things to do well. <laughs> Be yeah. near the line of scrimmage, make a move on a defender, and then go from there. Like, that's it. <laughs> Just can you run a screen? Can you run a slant? And can you run fast down the field? If you can do those three things, very vertical route tree. Like, OK, we can, we've got a place for you. And by the way, learn, learn those three things and where they are at in our playbook. If you can do that, we're good to go. Oh, well, <laughs> uh, where are we with that? Here's here's my thought. You know what Eli Drinkwitz receivers need to do well, and that's run block. And we know why Boo Smith could not see the field last year. It's because he couldn't run block because he weighed 160 pounds. (laughs) And ran a 4'8", apparently. (laughs) I mean, old Peanut Houston, 5'10", 179, he might not be a very good run blocker. I don't know. Maybe that's why he's not getting on the field or why he's not earning his number. I don't know. Just thoughts. Thoughts out of my head. But yeah, that is certainly disappointing uh, for the Juco receiver to to not earn his number yet. And for Mikai Lee, again, we we aren't at practice. We don't see the practices. We don't know how many opportunities he's getting. We don't know how he's fitting in, whether he's picking up uh, picking up the playbook or if there's just younger guys that are better than him. He was clearly brought in as an insurance policy if Hiron White could not play and they did not have the guy to back up Hiron White. It could very well be they found the guy and they found another guy. (laughs) Like, this is just not the dude they thought he was. Um, Or it could be he's getting chances and he's not doing anything with them. I don't know. But when he came on, you and I both said this is an obvious play to fill in the right tackle spot. And the fact that he hasn't got it, I'm not freaking out about the offensive line, but it might have been a wasted. At this point, it might be a wasted scholarship. He certainly has time to turn it around. Uh, but it is kind of disappointing that he he seemingly had this opportunity in front of him and he has not been able to take advantage of it. Yeah, it's I don't alarming is too high or too strong of a word. It's it's surprising. It's a little jarring that these guys haven't 
been able to earn their numbers yet in camp. And it's at a minimum something worth keeping an eye on. And I do think it indicates that early in the season, it feels pretty unlikely that you're going to see them getting any sort of significant playing time. And that in terms of being a fan, that's the grand takeaway probably for you is Houston. I wouldn't expect to see him on the field. Lee, I think he's probably a three at best at this point in the offensive line. So I, I would not expect to see them making their rounds into early season games. I agree. I agree. And along the lines of, of playing time, BK, I got a question for you, man. I've, I've been reading the, the camp reports and I, I, I see that Nate Pete and Tavoris Jones and Taj Butts are all dealing with uh, soft tissue injuries. And I've read that Elijah Young's needs to be more consistent and I haven't read anything about B.J. Harris or Michael Cox. Uh, B.K., who, who's going to play running back for Missouri this year? Do we have somebody? I'm waiting for somebody else to to answer that question because I don't have an answer for you. I don't think Eli Drinkwitz has an answer for you. And like I said, alarming might be a little bit too strong of a word with the Houston and Lee conversations. It's it's not too strong of a word here. I, I don't know what Mizzou's plan is at running back. And what's so weird and strange to me is that, like, worst case scenario, I know Elijah Young's pretty good. Like, I don't know how good, but I've seen him do the job. And when he's been asked to do it, man, he's solid. He's like a, a, a really solid running back that has the potential to be more than that. I've seen Nathaniel Pete when he's healthy be really good for Stanford. I just have no idea what's going on right now with Nathaniel Pete. Like, I don't know if he's going to play week one. And that's, it's not anything reporting wise. Like nobody seems to know what's, what's up with him. They first said he had like cramps and he was hydrating and then it became a soft tissue issue. And I, I don't even know what that means. Like there is n- no speculative reporting. There's nothing. We just know nothing about what's going on with him. Cody Schrader maybe is going to work his way into the mix. When asked about Michael Cox at practice, Eli Drinkwitz the other day said he's quote battling end quote, and then finished his statement. Like <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> what, what am I supposed to make of this? Like none of this seems super inspiring to me as a Mizzou fan. I like the receiving core. I think Brady Cook's going to be pretty good. I think the offensive line has a chance to be better than expected. You kind of need a running back in this offense. It's really important because it's an offense that is completely based on the running game. And I don't even know who's starting at the position. And I sure as heck don't know who's getting the second and third opportunities after him. I mean, maybe it is Cody Schrader. I mean, he just got done running 300 times for 2,074 yards and 25 touchdowns at Truman State. Against you, me, and our dentist. Like, (laughs) I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong, but he is literally the only running back anyone has said anything good about all camp. You're right. You're right. And maybe we're maybe we're spoiled because you know Drinkwitz came in, in 2020. He had a ready-made NFL caliber running back and Larry Roundtree ready to go. And then last year, we apparently had a ready-made NFL running back ready to go in Tyler Beatty, and it just wasn't something we thought about. Really, the question last year was, well, how many carries can Tyler Beatty handle? Because we're going to ask a lot of mm-hmm. him. And and that, that was basically it. And it, apparently, it was all the carries, because that's basically what he did. 
So, yeah, I mean, I guess we assume that the running back position is going to be okay because we just assume that they're going to get someone who's going to be great, and we haven't heard it. We haven't heard it. Now we haven't seen practice, so we don't really know. And I've seen a few of those those uh, the highlight clips on, on Twitter, on the social media, where, you know, I'll see, like, B.J. Harris, you know, drop a shoulder and truck a dude, or, like, you know, Nate Pete going for a pass. I'm like, okay. So I know they're at practice. I know that part. Um, but I just – I don't know. It's weird to go into a season in an Eli Drinkwitz team without an established running back because we've never had that before. Uh, but maybe this is just how it normally is, where it does take the full fall camp to figure it out, and maybe it's going to be a rotation this year, which I'm not opposed to, but it's it's just very undrinkwitz like And it's kind of making me a little nervous, if I have to be frank. Yeah, it's just weird. And the the thing is, like if Nathaniel Pete is healthy and he's ready to go week one, I think all of this is for naught. Because I think since day one, the reality is Brady Cook was always the favorite to be the starting quarterback. And then we kind of got into the mode of, oh, but they're looking so much for the train. I I fell into this. I could speak for myself, I guess. They're looking so much for a transfer that they're clearly not comfortable with him. And I think that was true. And then the transfer they brought in was Jack Abraham. And I watched him on film and I was like, ooh, this is concerning. And then I said, Jack Abraham's the favorite to start. And that obviously doesn't make any sense. Brady mm-hmm. Cook was the favorite there. Mm-hmm. Nathaniel Pete was brought in because he's a really good running back and he's done it before and he can do it again. And I think that's why for me, again, if he's healthy, if he's ready to go, he's your guy week one. And it's almost like a process of elimination where there was an opportunity to Wally Pip him. And if Elijah Young or Cody Schrader, B.J. Harris, Michael Cox, whoever your guy is at the running back position, if they were good enough to do that, they would have. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't happen. And Cody Schrader, as you said, was the only real running back that you've heard really good things about so far in camp. So I think sometimes the simplest answer can be the right one. And in this scenario, I think the simplest answer is Nathaniel Pete came into camp as the guy that was the de facto number one running back because he's been there, done it before, and you know he's going to get the job done well. And I think at the end of camp, despite the fact that he barely was a participant in camp, (laughs) Nathaniel Pete is still the number one running back just by virtue of him being that guy still. Yeah, I think you're right. Because, I mean, this is not the first time we've heard about a walk-on running back balling out. You know, 2021, Michael Cox. We saw him in the spring game. We heard reports in the fall. Like, oh, Michael Cox is doing some things. We're like, okay, I guess he's going to factor into it. And then the dude got 18 carries over seven games last year. Now, he did a lot with them, you know, 8.3 yards per carry, 150 yards and two touchdowns. But he didn't really factor in anything because Tyler Beatty was awesome. So, maybe, like you said, maybe this is for nothing. And maybe it's just there was an opportunity that wasn't taken. It's just until you know for sure <laughs> – because this is college football and you have to overanalyze every little iota of information or lack thereof. Uh, it's just, it's surprising. That's all we haven't, we're not used to this world. So I do think it's going to be uh, Nate Pete probably taking the, the snaps to start with and probably get the heavier workload as long as he's healthy. Um, and then we'll see where the season goes after that. Um, but yeah, kind of weird, kind of weird that a drink running based offense doesn't have a running back yet, but we'll get there. Uh, final thing from a, player roster management standpoint. And uh, you and I were talking about this late last night. Uh, Blake Baker uh, got in front of the media yesterday 
And one of the quotes that he uh, laid out, he said there are six guys on the defensive line that you don't feel nervous putting into the game. Let me read that again. There are six guys on the defensive line that you don't feel nervous putting into the game. Now, I could probably guess who those six are. My guess is Jeff Coat, McGuire, Robinson, Jernigan, Coleman, Landry. So three edge rushers, three interior guys. Um, here's my thing, Coach Baker. Uh, you got 20 defensive linemen. I would certainly hope you have six that you don't feel nervous putting into the game. I was kind of hoping we'd have six that you feel really good about putting in the game. But, you know, um, BK, is this more of a commentary on the existing guys and why they brought transfers in? Or is this a, oh, the transfers aren't doing what we thought they were supposed to be doing? Yes. Like, I'll, 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 I I would assume the answer is just yes. Like, I, yeah. when he said this, man, I was I was kind of taken aback by it. And I, I couldn't tell, like, is he saying this as it's a good thing? Because if you only have six guys, that's really problematic. Or is he saying this as a wake-up call to the rest of the defensive line as if, like, hey, we've got six dudes we're good with right now and we're whatever – 14 days away from the start of the regular season, you guys better step up. I don't know who these six players are. I would be, let's go from like most to least confident that they are on that list. Are you willing to do that real quick? Sure, let's do it. I am very, 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 very confident that McGuire, Robinson, and Jeff Cote are three. Yes. Who would you have fourth? (laughs) I would have... Uh, Jaden Jernigan is fourth. Okay. Now, if you ask me to get to five, <laughs> can I tell um, you who my fifth would be? Is it based DJ on Coleman? everything? No, but he is—he's sixth for me. Okay. I think fifth for me is Arden Walker. I, the way that they be? have talked about him in camp is really surprising. Um, I, I think he's one of your number two defensive ends. I think right now, walk Arden Walker would be one. And then what's his face? The kid from, uh, that you just mentioned is, is probably DJ Coleman. Second. Yeah. DJ Coleman would be two. Yeah. I, for some reason in my head, I, I was thinking Kai Montgomery and that's not correct, but I think those, those would be my five, six personally. Okay. Um, I could see that. I mean, he he was taking snaps. Arden Walker, I should say, was taking snaps with the second team as early as the first week of camp. So you know, I could I could see that. But let, let, let gosh, let's review who came in, shall we? Yep. Right, DJ Coleman from Jacksonville State came in transfer. Tyrone Hopper from North Carolina transfer. Both of those were edge rushers on the interior. You brought in Ian Matthews from Auburn. Granted, a freshman, but you still brought him in. You brought in Josh Landry, who is currently a senior. You brought him in from Baylor, one of the better defenses in the country last year. You brought in Christian Williams from Oregon, a junior, again, from one of the better defenses last year. Like, you brought in a lot of guys, a lot of guys from really good defenses who couldn't see the field for playing time but did a lot with the playing time they were given. And you're saying, of all that, we've got six. (laughs) We've got six i know there's a lot of youth on the line like that was just going to be part of it because the way they recruited there a lot of these guys are entering their second year maybe they're still not ready maybe they're going to be ready as the season goes in sure whatever 
Um, I am going to interpret this as an open mic challenge to his guys, as opposed to a cry for help, <laughs> uh, because I can't handle it if this defensive line is going to suck for another year again. So I'm sure it's not as bad as he is saying, but it's certainly, uh, given what happened last year, it certainly makes you stop and think, uh, Hmm, what's going on here? It's just, it's, it's such a weird statement and I don't want to like, maybe we're making too much of it. And he's like, I feel really great about these six. And then we've got five others that I feel pretty good about. And then three others that if they got into the game, we're not worried about it, but I don't know, man. It's just such a weird comment to say as a coach the two weeks before game time <laughs> to basically indicate that you have one backup at your interior and your edge rusher positions that you feel comfortable even putting into the game. Yeah. It's just, First of all, it, it gives your team no confidence on the defensive line at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and secondarily, if if it is true, if it's just like a statement of truth, that indicates a lack of talent identification in the offseason, like a, a real concerning talent identification in terms of what you wanted and what you were able to acquire through the transfer portal for your defensive line specifically. And I just have more trust in this coaching staff than to believe that they whiffed on bringing in like 27 different defensive linemen throughout the offseason. And and it would also be a super bummer to say, hey, all of the guys that you were really excited about recruiting wise over the last couple of years along the defensive line, the only one that matters at this point is Arden Walker. He's he's the only one that amounted to anything for you along the defensive line. And I just I refuse to believe that that is the case. So I am choosing myself to be an optimist in this situation and to say he was just saying there are six guys that were like, damn, these guys are so much better than they were a year ago. We can't wait to see them on the field as opposed to buddy. I think we got six, (laughs) you know, (laughs) So I, that that's the route that I'm choosing to go. And then if proven wrong against Kansas State, we will look back at this statement and say to ourselves, yeah, yeah. Ooh, there were some signs that we should be worried early yeah. on. I mean, look, as a fellow person who can uh, undersell some things inadvertently in the words I choose, uh, I, I appreciate that. I'm also not a football coach speaking to the media. So like, yeah. You kind of have, you got to, he's got to know his words mean something. So I'm going to assume, yes, I'm going to assume optimistic takes as well. And, uh, not, uh, not stay up at night worrying about our defensive line for a second straight year. Um, oh, <laughs> sorry. I had, I had to bring this up. Uh, so Eli Drinkwitz grew a goatee for camp. Uh, if you go back to last year when he did, when the, um, when Damian Washington did the, hot ones interviews where he would give them questions uh, while they were eating chicken wings. And it was getting, it was getting hotter as the sauces were getting hotter as the questions went on. Uh, at some point, uh, Eli said that uh, from a hair standpoint, the hair on top of his head, he had about two more haircuts left before he just, it just was going to quit and he wouldn't be able to grow anymore. And that was last year. So he's trying the, the facial hair this time. Uh, he looks like an evil twin of himself because literally everything is the same except for that. Uh, the, the goatee. Um, do, do we like this BK? Is this a good thing? As an individual who went through an experience where I was trying to figure out what the best facial hair is for me for a number of years, 
Make Eli drink what's just trying some things. <laughs> and I I will just say he is trying some things right now. Yeah. I'm not sure that it is the path that I would go down. You know what's funny? I think drink could make a mustache work. You think he should go that route? I think it is better than the goatee. The okay. Okay. the under the chin it's just it's not working for me i think he can either go with a full beard or go with the the mustache i think he's got to choose between the two i don't i don't think you can go with the the half measures here (laughs) well look as someone who cannot grow facial hair to save my life respect for for being number one being able to do it and number two exploring yourself um i like the beard i think beard is good mustache uh, i don't know i've i've never been a fan of those and i know they're kind of more trendy now it just reminds me of like my grandparents like you know tom Selleck, and i think it could work for him though specifically i'm 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 personality wise and look wise i'm literally have my fingers up on my computer screen over the bottom portion of his goatee and i've got (laughs) just look at maybe handlebar (laughs) handlebar mustache (laughs) my god that would be awesome or or we go throwback, go back to mid two thousands, circa oh five oh six, soul patch baby, make it uh-uh, happen. Uh-uh. No, 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 no! Don't, don't even. No, that's the problem. The problem is the bottom. The problem is underneath. Anything else is all right, but the pro- the problem for him right now is very evident, and it needs to be fixed. Well, here's here's the other thing. Is that something that if they go on a losing streak, he he hacks it off? Or is this something where he? Oh, that'll be gone starts? by game one. You think so? The whole yeah, thing yeah, gone? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's purely a guess, but I, I would be willing to bet that's that's gonna be gone by game one. Like, what if he gets like a Santa Claus beard? They go on a you know, they go on a streak. You know, they open four and zero. He's got this this big old ZZ Top beard. Like, going with the the hockey playoff beard. <laughs> that's <laughs> he just he starts to grow it until he has to cut it. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. At, at least he knows that by the Georgia game he's going to be cutting it. Well, there you know. Go. He's got that he's got that going for him. It's going to be good for Halloween, so. Yeah. Man. Well, good on you, Drink. I don't I don't know what you're thinking or I don't know how you feel, but uh you're exploring yourself and and self-improvement and self-evaluation that that's important as far as the growth of a human being. So Appreciate that my football coach is going through that in public right now. That's great. <laughs> um, PK, any last thoughts? I don't think so, man. Um, I'm excited for the season to officially be right around the corner. I was looking at this earlier. Week zero is next weekend. Like Dude, as you're yeah. listening to this, most likely week zero, which is I, I know Big Ten has quite a few teams that are going to be in, in play that weekend. Uh, it, it begins. It's it's here. We are right around the corner. And that's very wild to me. So I'm looking forward to it. It's football on TV. There's a lot of good ones if you if you enjoy the G5 palette, uh, but I think the key one is going to be it's like Nebraska Northwestern in Ireland I think is what it is so uh, you can tune in for that one in week zero but uh, yeah we're going to be more concerned about week one around these parts and uh, we'll talk more about that as we get into uh, next week uh, with camp winding down and practices kind of starting up and we'll keep our analysis going and rocking and rolling but that's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment or you can rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. And, of course, you can follow the Rock and Flagship at Rock and Nation. Oh, and you can listen to BK on the radio if you're in St. Louis, 101 ESPN. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, go
Até mais aí.